0: today we're going to be concluding our sermon series truly blessed concluding our sermon series truly blessed we've been in this sermon series for the past seven weeks um, and so if you have missed any of those you can catch up with us on the podcast as well uh, but we want to make sure that we're continuing and posting on that and so we have that it's on Spotify on Apple and everything so make sure you're sharing that so we can kind of help get the word out uh, about what's happening here at church but we've been in this for the past seven weeks and what What it is, is we're walking through the Beatitudes. We're walking to the attitudes that Jesus was teaching to his disciples. And says, if you want to be a part of my kingdom, if you want to be blessed in my kingdom. Jesus said, these are the attitudes that you will have in your life. Without these attitudes, you cannot and will not represent the kingdom of God. These attitudes must be present in your life, Jesus is saying. If you are going to live for kingdom Purposes. If you want to live for your own purpose, then you don't really have to worry about the Beatitudes. But if you want to live for God's purpose and for the kingdom come of his will and his kingdom then we need to have these in our lives. And so we've been walking through them. Today we're going to actually walk through the final one, and I would argue probably the most um, controversial or difficult one that we can, we can handle in our life. So we're going to go through it. Matthew chapter 5, we're going to read a few verses now, starting in verse 10. If you have your Bibles, you can flip there, Matthew chapter 5. Otherwise, it will be on the screen behind me if you do not have your Bible with you. It says this, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me, Jesus says. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if a salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do the people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand so it gets light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let's pray one more time. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are good and we ask you today that you would be glorified. God, today we want to submit ourselves to your kingdom and your will, and we ask that your word would speak this morning in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Amen. This passage is really interesting to me because Jesus is teaching something um, that's really not fun, right? Blessed are the persecuted, right? Blessed are the persecuted because of their righteousness. He says, For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I want you to to think about that. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven is what he says. It's a really interesting thing. In all the seven weeks he doesn't end any of his blessed statements. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven except for the very first one. For the poor in spirit, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of of heaven. So what essentially Jesus is doing at this statement is he's kind of putting a button on his teaching, right? I started off, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I'm ending, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So this is kind of the end of this section of teaching. He's putting a button on it to say, hey, this is the conclusion. And remember now, blessed means blessed, but it can also be translated into happy, Right, So this could be translated, happy are the persecuted because of their righteousness. Well, why are they happy? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is important to understand that he says, blessed are those who are persecuted for their righteousness. Because the reality is, is you can be persecuted for other things. Right? We see it all the time. We have a court system that persecutes people based on their wrongdoing. So you can be persecuted for your righteousness or you can be persecuted for your wrongdoing. You can be persecuted either way. Right? If you do something silly or double-minded, you can be persecuted. Meaning that you know, there's, a, there's an opportunity people might be able to say, hey, I thought you were a Christian. Right? And you're not acting like it. You're not living up to the standard that God is, is calling. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. He's not talking about you being persecuted because of the wrong things that you're doing. He's talking about you being persecuted because of the right things that you are doing. The righteous or the right living. The following of the seven things that he said. If you're following these things, then you will be blessed. Right? Blessed are those. But let me be clear, you cannot be persecuted personally by someone else's unrighteousness in their lives. The world is going to do what the world does because they're using or choosing to live a different way than the word of God, which is what we choose to live our life around. We say we want to live our life based on the word of God. But if there's people around you in your your community or in your family or in your work, who are not living like that, it does not mean you're persecuted because of their unrighteousness. In fact, what it means is you have an opportunity to share Jesus and why he's changed you. We're going to talk more on that later. But I think we really need to, specifically in the area of persecution, we really need to stop looking at everyone who is out there in the world as our enemy too many things and too much politics has gotten into the church to where we demonize other people where we demonize everybody else and we demoralize them and we push them down and then as we're around them we act like we're a victim of their unholy lifestyle but the reality is is you can't reach a world that you despise or that you hate you cannot so if you have hate in your heart towards who they are and their unrighteousness, then I would encourage you to check that because you cannot reach them. No matter if they are living in blatant sin, it is not your job to call their righteousness your persecution. It is your job to point them to Jesus, who is the true righteousness. Too often we say, hey, my righteousness is good, so get out of here. Whoa, whoa I think you're missing it. What about I am not righteous, but Jesus is, why don't you consider following him? Why don't you consider trusting in him? We can't even fulfill the beatitudes if we're looking at everyone as our enemy. How are we supposed to fulfill them? Here they are again. Number one is to be poor in spirit, meaning to be humble. Number two, to mourn. What is mourning, what do we talk about? It's trusting in God with your sin to say, God, I'm a deplorable sinner, I need your grace. Number three is to be meek towards others because meek people inherit the earth, meaning that I am kind, I'm tenderhearted, I am loving towards others. Number four is to pursue righteousness on my own, to pursue godliness on my own. Number five is purity in my heart. How can I have purity in my heart if I have anger, mercy, peacemaking? All of these things make up someone who is living righteous. And if you live righteous, you will see persecution. You will see persecution. I'm not saying that you won't see persecution, but I do think we need to make a distinction in the church. We cannot continue to demonize everyone if we want to share Jesus about them because then what happens is we become a holy huddle where it's cool to be here, but we don't like anybody out there and we don't really want their stink on us. But that's not how Jesus lived. That's not who he was. And a lot of times you'll see it, and Jesus says specifically, that you will see potentially physical persecution, but he did not want to limit it to just physical persecution. He said they will say false things about you and evil things. Throughout history, this is really a part of persecution, right? When they would talk about the early church, they would say, hey, communion that they're practicing is really cannibalism. They're eating flesh, and drinking blood right they it's that's not what they were doing but that was the rumors and the things that they were spreading to try to discredit the gospel to try to discredit people they would have potlucks and the people would say rumors like hey there's a lot more loving relationships happening in those potlucks than just family right they create rumors to persecute the church and to push the church away And we have the advantage of reading the Gospels and reading the the book of Acts to learn from the early church on how they did it. And I love reading from the early church on how they did it. They broke together. They gave together. Someone needed something. Hey, what's mine is yours. We'll take up an offering. We'll serve. We'll give. We'll be together with everyone. The early church is an incredible example. But at the same time, we have a bunch of really bad examples from the modern day church. So a lot of times when I'm talking to someone about the gospel, I'm trying to figure out which church they're looking at. Are they looking at the church of maybe a documentary they saw about Waco, Texas? Or a church that's in the south that's crazy? Or, some, or are they looking at Jesus? What are they, what's kind of their balance? I'm always trying to figure that out. Because that's how I'm going to talk to them. I'm like, okay, but what you're talking about is actually not in the Bible. Or you're, you're not seeing it, right? Because there's a, there's a disadvantage to that. And if we live up to the teachings of Jesus, we'll be persecuted either in physical form or in verbal form. I just think it's true. In fact, Jesus says this. He said, you will have trouble in this world. He quoted, he says, offenses will certainly come. That's just a great thing. Thanks, God. I really appreciate that. Offenses will certainly come. What you do with those offenses are more important than what the offenses are. What you do with the offenses that the world comes at you as are important. How you respond to those offenses are so important will you respond as jesus does or will you respond as you want to many of you know a few weeks ago we had a booth at the Farmer's Market in Frankfurt. And Frankfurt's got an incredible Farmer's Market. It's on Sundays, um, and they they are they start at like 8 in the morning. They go till 1. So we have many of our members who have said, hey, we always buzz over there after church and grab some coffee. And they've got a lot of really cool things over there. Well, we had the opportunity to have a booth at the Farmer's Market. And so we got there early, and I was still speaking here on Sunday. Uh, and so we got there early, and we set up the tent. And I had, uh, many of you know, uh, he's off to Cal- now, uh, but Jared, he is here, and uh, he helped me, he got there and, and helped me set up, and just, I'm going to tell a story about Jared, By I asked his permission first, and he told me he was going to listen to it on the podcast, okay, so I, I would never share a story without asking your permission first, so he said, it's cool for me to share the story, right, so me and him, he gets up there, 730, and he's hanging out, and we set everything up, and I'm like, all right, man, I got to go and play guitar, because we're just still praying that someone would come to the church to play guitar, who's better than me, so I wouldn't have to, play anymore because I'm not there good come on somebody in Jesus name strike me down right you know what I mean <laughs> we need it but I, I go play and so he's like okay I'm I'm in the tent right and then so I'm here we go through service service is great and we go over there and I'm like talking to the team and Kaylee was there and Abby was there and Larissa was there and, and we had a bunch of people serving just handing out invite cards and talking about church right and so as we're there I go up and I was like how have the interactions been And then Jared's like, yeah, I had a rough one. And I was like, what do you mean? And he starts telling me a story that a guy approaches him at the booth with, you know, an ax to grind. Um, He sees that there's a booth that says church. And he sees that there's a kid there who's alone. And he decides he's going to kind of get his, you know, frustrations on the church out, right? So why aren't you at church? And what about this scripture? And what about that scripture? And what about this? And Jared's kind of telling the whole story. He was like, whoa. And then he goes, so I just kind of told him, you know what, man? I'm still learning. So I'll look that up and I'll get back to you. And he said that kind of calmed him down. The guy walked away. And I thought, and I said to Jared, I said, man, he's lucky I wasn't here. You know what I mean, right? Like, I'm, I, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's lucky. If he would do that to some of the people who come to my church, I would just rip him a new one. Really? And then the Holy Spirit, as I was writing to me, said, no, no, no. That's why you weren't there. He said, you weren't there. Because Jared responded in a way that you never would. And the Holy Spirit spoke right to me. His kindness of saying, I'm still learning. Let me grow with you. Let me look that up and get back to you. is my heart for them. And I was standing there and he goes, so maybe, this is what the Holy Spirit said, maybe if you were a little bit more like Jared, you would have had that conversation so maybe we can all learn something from jared this morning when we have a combative conversation with somebody who's got an axe to grind how will you respond because i'm telling you i could have pulled up at 10 scriptures i had been like well what about this you don't know about that you want to talk about this i'm gonna talk about it we're gonna bring it up let's bring it up let's go there you want to go there i'll go there you know what i mean catch me outside if it's really like that you know what i mean right <laughs> it's like okay here we go and, and, and then the Holy Spirit was like, no, that's, that's not, He's just somebody who's searching. But are you willing to let the offenses go? And I was so proud when Jared said that in that moment because he didn't respond with anger. He didn't respond with arrogance. He didn't respond by yelling at the guy. And he would never do that if you know him. He's way too kind. He's also pretty strong. He's got some big traps. So I'm not sure what this guy was picking a fight with him for. You know what I mean, right? He, he could have taken this guy physically. He could have done many things. But he didn't. He chose to stand and look at him and respond in a way that could teach us all something. Offenses are certainly going to come. But how will we respond? And look at what Jesus says right after he talks about persecution. He says this. You are the salt of the earth but if the salt loses its saltiness how can it be made salty again it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot in this day and age when jesus is telling this story and jesus is teaching salt is a really expensive thing it's a high commodity right the romans this is where we get the phrase worth his salt This is actually what would happen. The Romans would pay their soldiers in salt. So if you got like a 50-pound salt bag, you were worth the salt. You were a good worker, right? This is actually where this phrase came from, right? Salt was special. It was precious. It was a rarity. And so I want you to think of this. When Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, He's proclaiming something over you as a Christian, over you as a person of God, over you as someone who's in his kingdom. He's saying, you are a precious commodity. You are a rarity, is what he's saying. In your community, in your work, in your family, you might be the rarity of the only Christian. You might be the rarity of the only person who will respond with kindness or with humility or with peace. You might be the rarity, maybe not in every situation, but in certain situations, you might be the salt. So, God is, Jesus is proclaiming this. You're the salt of the earth. You're rare. You're special. You're important. Don't lose your saltiness. Don't lose that spirit of God that's in you. Don't lose that Holy Spirit that's on you, that spirit of kindness, the beatitudes that are in front of you. Don't lose that because we need you out there. We need you in that community. We need you in that place. We need your prayer. We need you to serve because when you walk out these doors, it's so important That we are the salt of the earth. That we are bringing flavor. That we are bringing preservation to hurtful things. That we are standing up for the gospel in a way that's kind and peace. Salt adds flavor, right? It adds value to every situation. I love salt. I love smoking meats, okay? I'm just going to be honest. i got a grill, and I'm not going to talk about myself for too much, but I love smoking meats. You know what I mean, right? And here's the number one thing I learned from my smoker is salt is your friend, right? Because it adds flavor. So I'm just just dumping it on there, and I'm sure my cholesterol is going to pay the price in my 60s, but you know what? I'm not planning to live that long anyways. You know what I mean, right? Because I just, I'm in. Let's go. Hardcore salt. But what if you're value what if your your thought was this i want to add as much flavor to every situation and it's not flavor like sometimes you can add flavor and it's like it's like whoa it's that's a little funky you know what i mean right what if i added the flavor of god what if wherever i went and whatever i did i wanted to add value what if every single situation i walked in work family Grocery store, school line, wherever. How can I add value as a person of God? What if that was your question you answered? How can I add value? Is there someone who needs to be prayed for? Is there someone who needs to be cared for? Is there something that I can do? How can I add value? Is there a garbage that needs to be taken out? I got it. Is there a task that needs to be done? I got it what if we made it our goal to add as much value as often as possible what would your life look like what would your community look like and what if you continued to do this and we've had this i've had this at a couple opportunities and a couple jobs and i remember at the job i'm at now i was talking with this one guy he doesn't work there anymore but I was talking with him, and he was like, man, what are you on today? And I was like, what do you mean, what am I on today? He's like, you're just really happy, you know? And I was like, you know, I'm just having a good day, you know? I just read, listened to some worship music on the way to church, and, you know, I read some scriptures, and I'm feeling, I'm feeling like, I'm feeling a little hype. He's like, no, seriously, did you drink an energy drink or something? Like, what are you on, man? Like, why you, what are you on? And I'm like, I'm not, I'm, I'm on nothing. And he's like, okay. Well, What's different? And I said, well, you know what? I believe in this guy named Jesus. I got to share the gospel with him for no other way of, he's like, well, why are you so happy? And I'm so irritated. You know what I mean? Why are you so happy? Well, I'm happy because I realized that I don't have to pay for my sins. Thank you, goodness, because there are many, but I know a guy who does and who did. And you have the opportunity when you add value to share the gospel in the best way possible. To tell someone about Jesus. Check out what Jesus says next. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand. So it gives light to the whole house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. That they may see your good deeds and what? Glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus says you are the light of the world. Not that you have the light of the world, but you are the light of the world. Just like you are salt, you are light. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is John 1:4. It says the light, and this is speaking of Jesus, shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it what it says the light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it that jesus came at a dark moment and his light shines and the darkness will never overcome it so at the end of the book if you're a christian and we believe in jesus as much as we say we do we win so it's all gravy under that time right so i'm just gonna live for him we read the end of the book we know he comes back and it's awesome and we win so until then What am I doing? How much light can I share? What was light? This light was a great compliment, but it's also a great responsibility. If we're the light of the world, if we are the light the world needs, we need to shine it everywhere. Not just where we're comfortable, not just where we think is needed, everywhere we go like a city on a hill we need to shine our light. You might be like, "You know what? That's cool, Jeff. I get it. Add value." And you know what? I'm definitely with you. You know, like I want to shine a light too. Like I obviously I do, but you know, I'm busy, right? Everybody's busy. You know what I mean, right? We're all busy. I get it. I have so much going on. I have so much to do. I can't do this. I can't do that. I want to show you a quick story about Jesus. Check it out in Matthew chapter 14. We're going to read it together. Starting in verse 6, Matthew chapter 14 says this On Herod's birthday, the daughter of Herodias danced for the guests and pleased Herod so much that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she asked. Prompted by her mother, this is Herod's wife's daughter does a special dance for him, and he says, I'll give you whatever you want, in a drunken stupor. He says that. Prompted by her mother, she said, give me her on a platter. Give me his head on a platter, John the Baptist. The king was distressed because of his oaths and his dinner guest. He ordered that her request be granted, right? Her, her, the mom says, I, I hate John the Baptist. He said, I couldn't marry Herod, so you know what? Cut his head off. John was beheaded in prison. His head was brought in on a platter and given to the girl who then carried it to her mother. I mean, this is brutal stuff. Verse 12, John's disciples came in and took his body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus. When Jesus had heard what had happened, he withdrew by a boat privately to solitary place. Hearing this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed, he saw a large crowd. He had compassion on them and he healed their sick. This is Jesus's arguably best friend in his life. His cousin, his best friend in his life, was just beheaded. How do you deal with that? He goes and is alone. As he's going off to find some solitary, which I think all of us could be like, I understand. Okay? Jesus comes back. And the townspeople had not only seen him leave, but had followed him on foot around the water to the other side so that they could be there on the beach when he landed. And the Bible says this in a different translation that he looked upon them as sheep without a shepherd, and he had compassion on them. He was swarmed by this crowd. And he had compassion on them. After probably one of the hardest things Jesus has had to gone through, his best friend being beheaded for literally telling the truth, he just wants to be alone. But he's living for a greater purpose, so he sees people coming, and anyone in that crowd, anyone here, I, everyone here, I'm sure you, if Jesus would have been like, hey guys. My best friend just died. I got, I just gotta, I'm going to take a couple weeks. We would all be like, yeah, I get it. The crowds didn't care because their physical needs were so great. They're pressing in on him. And it said he healed all of their sick. You know what happens right after this? Right after this verse, right after this section, as he walks on, he heals all of their sick. At the end of it, he provides a meal. A meal you may have heard of the feeding of the 5,000. Sometimes I think our greatest moments of impact can come during our most difficult seasons of pain. If we're willing to push through and say, God, use me. I'll be the light of the world. I'll be the salt of the earth. God, use me. Use my life. I'm going to have uh, Jason come up to the keys at this time, but I want to read this quote from one of my favorite theologians. And uh, I just want to read it to you. This is him talking talking about this passage of Scripture. And he says this. A key thought in both the pictures of salt and light is distinction. Salt is needed because the world is rotting and decaying. And if our Christianity is also rotting and decaying, It won't be any good. Light is needed because the world is in darkness. And if our Christianity imitates the darkness, we have nothing to show the world. To be effective, we must seek and display the Christian distinctive. We can never affect the world for Jesus by becoming like the world. This is the final message in the Truly Blessed series and it's ending with a difficult thing to say you know what, you will be persecuted for your righteousness. If you stand up for God, there will be people who say ugly things about you, who tell you that you're wrong to your face who potentially depending on where you are at in the world if you're overseas, they may try to end your life because of you standing up for righteousness sake. And you know what another translation of The place where it says be excited about persecution is leap for joy I don't know how many of us in the room are leaping for joy to have a conversation like Jared did at the tent or another conversation with somebody that's a little combative or when someone tells you I can't believe you're a Christian, you bigot I don't know if I'm jumping for joy but The reality is, that's what he says can happen when we do live this way, when we trust him. And what is your reward? Your reward is the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven is not some thing up there in space with Bruce Almighty, right? It's Jesus coming back to reclaim what's his to reclaim new heavens and new earth here to give us all new life we will live with him in that eternity for forever and so is it worth it is my question to you this morning is that persecution worth it sometimes I was driving in the car and I don't know what it was but I had this thought and it was somebody who was kind of prompting me It was like what if If, like this is just not true. What if the Bible is just not true? And I thought, "Well, you know what? I'd rather live my life doing good things for others than not. And don't get me wrong, I believe Jesus is true, 100 percent, so don't clip that and put it on the Internet. you know what I mean? right? Now that we're recording, that's a danger. But no matter what, I'm sitting here thinking, I got to make a decision in my life. Do I really believe this or not? I don't know why I just had that realization and driving in the car and I was sitting here, do I really believe this stuff? Because if I do, I need to change the way I I live. I need to tell more people about Jesus. I need to make sure that I'm being the salt of the earth. I need to make sure that I'm sharing the light. I need to check myself and I want to grow more like him. So my question to you this morning is do you really believe it? Because if you do, I think it's worth it. I think it's worth it to give your life to this righteousness. I think it's worth it to trust him and to give him all that you have. And so, you know what? I want to end a little different today. I want to go a little old school. I'm going to ask in just a moment. You don't have to do it now, but heads bowed and eyes closed. And then I'm going to pray, and then I want us to put on the worship song because I wanted to give some time for people to come up at the altars and so I'm going to ask for some prayer partners to come up so we can pray and I just want to kind of have us have a soft close today so we can pray at the altar if you need to because I just believe that God is speaking that maybe maybe just maybe he's nudging your heart to be like you know what I got to repent of a couple things because I want to live more like you Jesus I want to be the salt of the earth. I want to be the light of the world. But I need your help. And maybe there's some things you need to confess and leave at the altar. Maybe there's some things that you need to move on. But why would we, walk, when we walk out into the world, I want you to be fully equipped. I want you to be salty. Come on, somebody. I want you to be full of light. And the only way we get that is with an encounter with God. So let's pray bowed eyes closed all over this room if you're here this morning and you say you know what I need a touch from from the Father I need a touch from God I need a touch from my Heavenly Father I need Jesus to speak to my life I want to connect with Him I want to know Him deeper I want to go all out I don't want to waste any more time I want the kingdom of heaven to be in my mind. I want the kingdom of heaven to be in my heart. I want it to be in my sight at all times, wherever I'm at. If that's you, on the count of three, I want you to lift your hand up. Maybe the Holy Spirit's just speaking to you and says, you know what? This is for you. I want you to lift your hand up on the count of three so I know who I'm praying. Father we thank you we thank you that you are good and I pray this morning that as we transition into this time of prayer that you would speak Holy Spirit that you would speak that you would challenge hearts that you would bring conviction God that you would show us who you're calling us to be that we would dive deep God that we would respond with kindness and honor that we would be full of salt we'd be full of light we'd be full of peace, that we would be Christians that embody your kingdom come and your will be done. Father, we pray the same prayer that David has prayed. If there is any wickedness within us, we ask that you cleanse it from our hearts and make us, search our hearts, oh God, to make us more like you. We love you today. In Jesus' name, amen.